Breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> You're listening to The Glitter Boys. The green cover is so cool. Fuck, I love the green cover. I don't think anything could... Oh, what's this? What? Vampire Kingdom's Revised Division. Well, I'll just pull it out of the shelf and take a look. I mean, I love the first one so much. Holy crap, that's awesome. So, Palladium did something they don't do very often. They took their source material and decided to polish it up and change some things and make some clarifications because obviously at various conventions and uh, at fan sites, people had come up and said, but my glitter boy loaded his boom gun with a whole bunch of fence posts. And how, how, did, how does that work? Did my DM make a good call? So this, this was their attempt to answer those questions. And they did it with amazing art. And they did it a little more smutty, which I appreciate. And they dialed back on some things and they brought some other things forward, which I thought was very interesting. There's, there's new characters being given a lot more life. And there are some things that just quietly went away. I love that piece of cover art. I fucking love it. It's really, really good. That's what I got to say about it so far. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Nicholas Bradshaw has this amazing art style. If you're familiar with the underground comics of the 60s, he's very much influenced by Richard Corbin and... He just, he has this, this beautiful, vulgar, sexy kind of just gritty style, which, which I love. And he is featured heavily in this book. His trademark is a lot of bulbous stylings. Like things are curvaceous. They have this organic feel to them. And sometimes... Well, in this book, more often than not, they seem somewhat colorfully diseased in a yeah. really cool way. His his style is very unique, and it is somewhat terrifying. Do you know who I who I'm talking about when I when I say Richard Corbin? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, <laughs> you've mentioned him multiple times. <laughs> if if you don't, and you're over eighteen, go pick up a book called Den. That's all I'm going to go off on a tangent. Which I believe was one of the inspirations for heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was in heavy metal. And John Candy did yeah. uh, the voice of the main character that. <laughs> yeah. Which is odd to me. I don't want to walk around with my dork hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Loch Nar. Don't touch that Loch Nar. <laughs> oh my God. It's been so long since I've seen that movie, but I remember certain moments. <laughs> so in the last one, it was. It was Aaron Tarn at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. This gives our friendly neighborhood psychosurgeon with a cause, Doc Reed, center stage. Aaron was in the last book, but she wasn't in it until like page 38 or so. Yeah. She opens this book and we get the same text from that book. Uh, it's kind of spaced a little bit larger, so it covers more than two pages. And then we get a coda. To that so the follow-up of uh, to the disappearance of Aaron Tarn because remember moose and squirrel style what happened to Aaron Tarn at the end of that section in the last book well now we find out 
Yeah. Seven years later, <laughs> in the lore, at least. Yeah. But then, yes, we get to everyone's favorite psychopath. Forearm psychopath, Doc Reed. And that's a really fucking good picture of him. Like, yeah, it really is. Somebody out there loves this character. Like mm-hmm. some, someone on the Palladium staff. Th- this was somebody. Th- this, this was someone who worked there's personal character. And they, someone has been taking care to make sure the artists, the writers, everyone gave them, gave them the love they deserved. Now, here we're going to get to my first big gripe about this edition of the book. And it's a two-parter gripe. All right, what you got? I love the fact that we get more from the perspective of Doc Reed. And in fact, he even talks about his comparison to Mingala. Yeah. I love this look into his mind, into the way he works. And I love that so much is written from actually the text that you're about to read. Many pages of details on the vampires is told to you as if told to you by Doc Reed himself. And that is something I love. What I don't love about it, again, twofold. Here we have Doc Reed, fucking dude in Reed's Rangers. His, his, his name is half of the name of Reed's Rangers. They took Reed's Rangers out of the book. They're not in this book. They moved them to a separate vampire source book. I did not notice that. Was that the other one that I was mentioning earlier? Well, all the rest of them, all yeah, of those they did, characters, they? they're no longer, they took all of that text out of this book and moved it to another one. So here you have Doc Reed and you're like, oh, cool. I want to know more about this guy. Too fucking bad. You got to go to another book. That, my first complaint. The second one is Doc Reed is just too long winded. Because in the first book, all of that technical data that you need to run a fucking vampire. Mm-hmm to make a vampire monster, to put vampires in your campaign as bad guys, is in less than 38 pages. In this book, it's 114 pages. (laughs) What the fucking art they get you with, it just kept me going, I'll tell you that much. But it's just like every power, every vampire ability, every weakness was like 12 paragraphs too long. I disagree, but I think we do have different styles. I am a person who does very weird shit and makes great demands on on my DM. And I have a feeling that with with the 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 awesome power of the Palladium Vampire, they may have gotten some pushback on that. So they may have wanted to to take the time to actually go into detail on everything. You know, we've talked in the past about how we both like the fact that they don't normally go into detail on everything. How they don't mm historically give a rule for every situation. And this is that moment where I feel that they cross that line. I can see that. Where there's just too many clarifications. I want to be able to look at the power and just be like, can't cross running water. Got it. It's all I need. Yeah. And if a player's like, yeah, well, what about this? I'll be like, I'm going to make a call because I'm the game master. Give me the power to make that call. This so much of it feels like things Timmy did in Kevin's game that he needed to write a book on how not to do. Like Timmy did this. Fuck. I got to counter that. Timmy did this too. And this one power that goes from, you know, a paragraph and a description of how much damage it does is now like two pages. Like, uh, come on, Kevin. So I, I have a personal question to ask you and you can cut this. Is Abel going to affect your next game? Like the the next game you write. 
like game design game? Yeah. No. Okay. Whenever I design a game and I do that less and less because it's a long story. I get tired of the game design scene ultimately. Anyway, I like to focus exactly on what that game needs to do. You know, like mm-hmm. the game has to tell a certain type of story in a certain type of way. And I want to develop mechanics that do that. Anytime a player is going to try and break that. Sure. Whatever. Let them. It's my fuck them. I don't care. I wrote the game. They can break it if they want. This is probably not the game for them in the first place. So that's to me is more of a group problem than a mechanics mm-hmm. problem i just don't okay. feel that the mechanics have to cover every situation if you have players abusing the mechanics that's not a rules problem i mean ab- abusing is a harsh word no i don't think abel <laughs> ever abused the mechanics he just really stretched the probability of how grenades work <laughs> this is also true <laughs> they did keep that that awful piece of long art though i'll give them that the, the awful bat pick Oh, yeah, they did. But it's nicely sandwiched between other good pieces, you know, like the page before it. Yeah. Well, the art before it is this beautiful, bulbous punk rock vampire stuff from Bradshaw. And then two pages later is this gorgeous piece that looks like it came out of like a 1960s 60s, vampire yeah. show or something. I love it. Yeah. Just the, the, the realization moment that someone wrote that drew there is amazing. Um, yeah, it goes into a lot of the stuff, you know, Prowl, the psionic things. Uh, you know, it, it's a lot of the same old, same old with, with new art. Look here in page 27, right? Page uh, 27, okay. we have some of these abilities like Prowl. Mm-hmm. Night Vision has two sentences. Yeah. Okay. I'm really surprised Night Vision didn't get three fucking pages of things to counter things that Timmy did in Kevin's game. <laughs> well, I mean, and can we talk about that for a second? Like we were talking about how badass vampires are, right? Mm-hmm. What's 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 a good night vision for robot suits? A few hundred feet? Yeah, few hundred yards? yeah I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. How about 1,600 feet that a vampire can see? Holy fuck. Think back to like what you know of Dungeons and Dragons. Right? Dungeons and mm-hmm. Dragons. You play a dwarf or an orc or something. You've got night vision of 60 feet. Badass. Yeah. Yeah, cool. 60. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to write this on my character sheet because that's fucking awesome. Humans can't do that shit. I can do it. Now, take a look at this. <laughs> yeah. He... <laughs> 1,600 feet. Vampire is on the top of the fucking mountain looking down, can see you down in the river valley below. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Again, aliens. They are aliens yeah. from another dimension. Now, there's something interesting that they made a uh, a call on, and that is shadow of a past life skills. There's a couple contradictions between this and the past one and this book internally, because this book spends a lot of time saying that when that person becomes a vampire, that person is dead. That person is gone. All that is left is its face, its body, and the hunger. You know, but can we talk about making vampires we didn't actually do that in our last episode yeah of course i'm actually surprised we never we never did that we never talked about how a vampire is made like and i'm not mean rolling some stats up i mean like yeah in the lore how they make a vampire it's very bram stoker's dracula it's very intentional too it's not just a bite you yeah. can't just be bit by a vampire and a quick suckle on the wrist and you're there it takes fucking three days yeah 
you have to commit <laughs> to the act of making another vampire. It's not something that you just like bite someone and like, oh, fuck, I messed up. You've, you know, I mean, you've got conveniently placed bottles of blood in case you get thirsty. You prepared the area. Let some candles and some incense. <laughs> you got some candles and incense. <laughs> Gonna massage their feet. I mean, you've got... Stop the soft music playing. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Kenny G going on here. <laughs> the saxophone makes the best vampires. Yeah, careless whispers playing. You've, I mean, <laughs> making a vampire here is it's a conscious effort that you... I want to write that sketch now, actually. <laughs> Welcome to my lair. And then the saxophone solo hits and the round bed rolls out. Oh my God. Uh, I'm thinking, and now I'm like, it would, it would have to have some moments where it like fades back and forth between careless whisper kind of stuff. And then it goes into, I still believe with Tim Capello. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes back into the gentle, but then back into the whipping mullet. And it's like, <laughs> this is the whole thing that's going on in dude's head as he's becoming a vampire. <laughs> I want to live in that world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. Uh, creating a vampire. It's, it's a process. <laughs> yeah. In that you don't just get, bit and you become one you don't get infected it's your soul is over three days sucked out of your body destroyed utterly destroyed mm-hmm. like with no chance of salvation and this demon essence is implanted in your body yeah that's fucked up and it's not there's a couple new new classes in this book that'll give lie to what i'm about to say but i just keep in mind that those are exceptions not the rule after this happens, there is no you. There is a fragment of the elder god and maybe some learned behaviors, some habits. Uh, you will retain some skills now uh, in this in this new edition from your life before. Just, just just remember, you are you are not a turned you. You are now a small sliver of a Cthuloid entity. There's talks in the first book about vampires who retain their magical ability. Magic, yes, but not skills specifically, I think. Yeah. Oftentimes they can pass as their previous as their hosts. Mm. Yeah. So they go back and then they start to find a previous host friend. So they, they have memories. Now you've heard my, my love of Kevin Long and some of the, the static pieces, but can we talk about page twenty nine real fast? Oh wow. Yeah. Vampire just ripping the head off of a robot. Yeah. I mean, that is a great and I, I realize it's a constipated jump picture. I, I understand that. But I think it's a really good constipated jump picture. And it shows viscerally how much pressure a vampire can exert. <laughs> yeah, that's just his bare hands. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. But, you know, very next page, we have the, the Kevin Long vampire regeneration picture. 15 seconds. Yeah. 15 seconds. One melee round. From, yeah, from skeleton with a stake through its heart. Back to full pissed off vampire who uh, incidentally is naked. Mm-hmm. Then it goes back through the the vampire the 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 ranks of vampires. You got the intelligence again with a new Cthuloid picture, uh, which kind of has a uh, a Mayan feel to it. Yeah, an ancient uh, yeah an ancient Mayan feel to it. It talks about the intelligence some more. Okay, I fucking hate that familiar picture i hate it it is so out of place it is just like hello i'm comical familiar i have a guitar (laughs) i'm playing the mariachi it's it feels so out of place i love 
the next one though the master vampire picture mm-hmm. yeah that's the, not the, dracula that's not yeah. Ratu. yeah another jump fight but a good one and some titties yeah and some titties uh then we're they're talking about master vampires then into the secondary vampires this uh another work of bradshaw in 42 fantastic mm-hmm. just of of the monster looming and over innocence that kind of reminds me of the dookie vampire that's from uh jeanne vasquez's books yeah yeah (laughs) anybody dear listener if you are familiar with the dookie vampire please comment and let me know so that we can share our misery together talks about wild vampires and uh, you know, that they run in packs and they kind of farm this one out to somebody that, mm-hmm. uh, whose art I don't really like. It's just not for me. Yeah, I don't know the name of that artist, but he does a lot in the Palladium later world books and it just wasn't really my jam. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's some new RCCs, which is the deluded vampire who is mistaking himself to be human and... The uh, hero vampire, which I found very interesting. I do actually really like these additions. I like that they bring in more of these really weird and towing the line of darkness character options for players. I've always found anti-heroes to be very compelling because I think most people have a lot of dark and a lot of light in them. And I think it's important how they balance those things. And I think... An anti-hero will tell a better story than this is This is what good is, this is what evil is. And if you're on one side, you're one thing, and if you're on the other side, you're the other. And I do like this line right here from Doc Reed. As the saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Associate with vampires at your own risk. <laughs> I also like the chupacabra on the, next, on the, the very next section. I, I love the chupacabra, uh, which is apparently not a, a killer of goats, but a vampiric protector, something mm-hmm. that, that guards it. I like that. And yeah. I, I really like the picture. I like that they actually spend space here adding more creatures. You know, they, they add yeah. more details on uh, you've got the chupacabra, but now you've also got Mexican wolves and you've got like some details on vermin. You've got some interesting stuff. I think at least the pages from 62 to 60 to 70, I think those pages are really useful because they expand a lot of stuff that isn't technical. It's more focused on building out the world and how mm-hmm. you can bring vampires into your game. And I love that. It's meaty stuff. Yeah. Then there's the killing a vampire section again. Not a ton has changed except that the uh, duct tape flashlight of a cross no longer works and that they expanded it to be holy symbols, not just a cross. And they've expanded it to 14 pages instead of four. Yeah. But yeah, I think bringing in holy symbols was a good idea. You know, acknowledging the fact that religions other than Christianity exist is a cool thing. Yeah. And it's just, it just allows more people to play. There is, there is nothing about riffs beyond the fact that the, the creators of it are, are largely North American. Yeah. That, that makes it a game that only works here and for us here, here in North America. This is a worldwide game with, with books on, on most of the areas, some better, some worse. 
But yeah, I, I, I like that it, it made the attempt to be a bit more inclusive than it was. I think the content from page 82 to 84 is just unnecessarily particular. Don't need three pages of rules on how to stab someone in the heart. You really don't. You just need caught shot. How much do I roll? How much damage does it do? Is there a saving throw? You can do that in a paragraph. That's it. That's all you need. But but then it's all of this extra stuff. I'm like, oh, please, no. Why? 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 Rulings over rules is my way to go, you know? I don't know. You, you get some interesting notes from uh, Kevin in there that I do like. His, his natural 20 rules. I like those. Like the natural 20 triumph or it stakes them or, or fate. Or, you know, just, just some interesting things. Okay, but then again, this is one, two, three, four, five, five paragraphs, overly long paragraphs that really could be one. It, they could come out and say, hey, natural 20s are pretty cool. I like to I like to value them when players do them for a variety of reasons. But ultimately, I think you should also do them. So, you know, natural 20, when it happens, just fucking let it happen, man. End of paragraph. <laughs> I I think. Part of me, part of my ability to like love this kind of stuff is the fact that I read so incredibly fast. Like I, dude, I read sickly fast. I, I read a book a night. It's, it's a horrible hot habit. Reading. Yes. Reading. I love it. But when there's a page limit, mm. when you're dealing mm. with printing limitations. So I, as the consumer, fuck yeah, dude, give me 500 pages of this stuff and I will consume it. But when you're publishing a book and you are constrained by the the limitations of what you can publish in one book wrap it up b you know give me give me give me more stuff i want more stuff than just that many paragraphs about how cool natural 20s are <laughs> i wonder if this was intended to be a replacement for the first or an expansion it says revised which yeah. would give the impression that it's 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 meant to replace but but it doesn't replace it it feels like it's it's meant to expand upon it because they hit some places heavy and they they went light on other places. Yeah, I love the addition of the new creatures. I love the addition of the new ACC OCCs. Me too. I love that like they actually add more stuff too. Like they have vampire hunter OCCs and mm -hmm. they have you know, reads van read reads fucking rangers OCCs. They add all of this stuff. But they took out all of the Yucatan material. That's all of it. It's out. Yeah. Like they include some of the stuff on Juarez and the basics of Mexico, but they don't. It just felt like uh, I was just disappointed. I was just disappointed in this book. Yeah. They changed silver bullets in it so small that a silver coated or silver tip bullet only does normal damage. Mm -hmm. But they add some really cool stuff. Yeah. There's some some neat new weapons. <laughs> Anti-vampire railguns, sword guns, and a variety thereof. I mean, there's there is a lot of cool stuff in here, and it is it is a worthy book. And it has you know that that picture on 108 that I love with the vampire hunter OCC. But I I agree. I I would say if I had to rate it against the first one, and let's say you had a limited budget and you could you could only buy one book on vampires for riffs, damn it, buy the first one. Yeah. There's just, there's so much more world to play in in this, in that one. This one has a lot more, ah, 
fuck, they did what? All right, well, you can't do that, and here's why. And they just decided to write about it. Yeah. While that's not unimportant, you get more bang for your buck out of the first one, I feel. Well, let's talk a little bit about what else came after this book. First, let's finish this book off here. Everything from about page 114 or so, I think, 116 on, is stuff you've already seen all of this stuff is in the original Mm -hmm. book there are some exceptions there are some new critters added Uh, uh, those are pretty cool i like the addition of the new critters i always love new critters new critters are great that's why i love the bestiary kevin you pop out a monster book and i'm gonna fucking buy it that's just how it is yeah i'm just letting you know give me 20 more i love them (laughs) so yeah there's some cool new stuff here and some cool new art, especially uh, yeah. 140, Real Vamps Don't Sparkle with the Vampire. <laughs> Love that one. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. You know, that almost looks like it could have been taken out of like uh, Fist of the North Star style oh, yeah. bad guys. <laughs> like, yeah. like they're about to get punched and their heads are going to explode kind of bad guys. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some really cool added monsters in the back, but that's about it. The rest of this is just a reprint. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what came afterward is what's called the Rifts Vampires Sourcebook. Now, yes. uh, Vampire Kingdoms Revised was published in uh, 2011, I think, 2010, 2011. First yeah. printing, 2011. The Vampire Sourcebook also has a really fucking good piece of cover art. Gotta hand it to him. Um, by Michael Hayes. It came out in 2013. So, the Vampire Source book includes all of the stuff on Reed's Rangers that was removed from the first book and all of the Yucatan stuff. Yeah. But it adds a lot more. It adds survival in the desert rules. It talks about, oh, it adds, uh, so there are some actually locations that are removed from the book as well, like uh, Tampico and uh, Monterey and a few other places were pulled out of the book to make room for the new expanded material in the revised vampire kingdoms. Yeah. So, which I'm honestly, I'm not a fan that they did that. What I wish that they had done instead is left vampire kingdoms alone, taken that new clarifying material, use it as the foundation of this source book, the vampire source book mm-hmm. combined with all the stuff that is, that the new stuff that is in it, such as the um, vampire fucking power armor, uh, stuff yeah. from the Lemurians, desert survival rules, new OCCs, like the werecat vampire hunters, the things about vampire slavers, things about the death spike group, brand new, things about soulcraft magic, brand new, boneware jaguars, brand new. Vampire bandit hunter. I mean, yeah. bandit vampire hunter. Yeah. All of this stuff would have made for a better source book, which is what a lot of the material in the new book feels like it should have been. You know, I, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna go out on a, on a limb here and say, I think your problem is one of labeling. I will agree. So here, here's the way around it. And here's the way around it for you, dear listener. Yeah. Just literally buy everything and read it all. And then you'll have it. And it's all there. But... 
then you have all of these books that you have to flip through to figure out which book overrode which other book. And now you've got these revised books and you're like, oh shit, do I need the original or the revised? Now- you don't because each one, each one has its own. Like there's only a few specific conflicts such as uh, cross flashlight or can they go over water if there's a bridge? Um, there's only a few specific differences between the books. The rest is either a reprint or more stuff. Uh, the first book clarifies bridges. It talks about bridges right there. Another way of traversing across running water is to be transported by someone else, sealed in mm-hmm. a container, and taken over by boat, aircraft, or bri- uh, or other means without the vampire's knowledge. Guess what? That involves a bridge, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The vampire can't do it. <laughs> they just have to be done with their without their knowledge. So there's so much added clarification that feels like it should be in a source book. No, it, and it's fair, but my, my mind is a rather chaotic place to begin with, and I can kind of keep all these things in balance. But you're not running the game. Oh, absolutely. That is absolutely an honest point. I, uh, I am not. No, 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 I am not. That's, that's, that's very true, and I withdraw my statement. <laughs> so I'm going to make a big reveal here because it's never going to come back up in our other game. It was something that's totally now in the past. It's never going to happen. Remember that fellow who was like, hey, you should go here and kill these people. They're vampires. Yeah, that guy that just appeared in the middle of uh, your camp, and everybody's like, uh-huh. "Oh, we like this guy. We're going to trust him implicitly." I didn't even have to make you roll for that. For some reason, you all just trusted him anyway. Mm-hmm. He was the vampire. Absolutely. What was his game? <laughs> what, and this is—you can cut this out of the episode if you want, but I—I—I I, I need to know. He—he uh, he was an agent seeking to a stat, an agent of one of the southern vampire groups from Arsno. Moving up, seeking to figure out whether the locals were worth converting to a uh-huh. new vampire enclave. So was that us or the locals of the 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 tavern, the the ski lodges? Well, ultimately, uh, his plan was as such. These adventurers know jack and shit. So I'm going to send them into this place to figure out whether or not those fuckers up there are vampires. Now, if they are vampires, that means I hate them because they're not my vampires. So they're going to kill them all. If they don't kill them all, then they'll significantly weak them. So then I can go in and kill them all. If they're not vampires, they'll leave them alone. And then I'm going to go in and convert them. You're a sneaky son of a bitch, NPC. (laughs) You're a sneaky son of a bitch. Oh man, I think Brandon called on. I kicked on. down the door and threw on grenades. <laughs> I beat the shit out of people. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, Brandon caught on fastest. Well, Brandon player <laughs> caught on fastest. God yeah. damn it! Yeah. So that All was right. my foray Thanks. into vampires, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I'd say uh, if you're playing a a vampire uh, themes where where they're going to be something that you will need in your campaign, you need this book too, not just the original. Uh, there's there's more stuff here. The lovely thing about Palladium is that they're perfect print and they're not as expensive as other as other books, and still aren't to this day. Yeah, buy this, buy the uh, the what is it, the source book. And yeah, just just really round out your vampire knowledge. I I have shelves and shelves and shelves of 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 gaming books, and some I only reference every now and then. Some I just have for the art because I love them. 
Some I just have for one or two concepts that just struck me and I wanted to be able to find it again. Um, if, if you have vampires and you have riffs, you're going to use this. You will eventually grab it. My suggestion would be based upon what your funds are. If you are capable of buying all the books, then do so. If you're going to run a game with vampires in Palladium, specifically rifts, but this actually does apply to a lot of the megaverse. So there's a lot of good information here on vampires and how they work. Mega damage, SDC, whatever, this, this fucking details in the end. If you're going to run a Palladium game with vampires and budget's not a problem, get Vampire Kingdoms original, get Vampire, Vampire Kingdoms revised, and get the Vampire Sourcebook. Because you will find valuable inspiration from all of them. Even if you, like me, will just stick with the first book for the basic technical stuff, the new books mm -hmm. really do have expanded world just setting flavor. You might not need five pages about a power that took two paragraphs, but the insight into Doc Reed, who was writing those five pages of details, is lovely. It is. However, if you can only afford one book, get the original and stick with it. Fucking 100% agree. Yeah. It, yeah, if you have to choose one, that's the one. I think that about covers it. I, I loved the art in this book. It was my first big introduction to Bradshaw and I was just blown away. Uh, it was, it was very familiar to me. It was evocative of a lot of things uh, that I love. There's some, there's some Nausicaa, there's some wizards, there's some Corbin. There, there's a lot in his art style that I thought just really spoke to me in the things I loved in art. Wonder if this Bradshaw is any relation to the other Bradshaw who was see if I can find him. I know he did a lot of art in Shadow Run, but I cannot find I don't think I have a PDF of the Shadow Run core rules. The best picture to me in this in this book is on page 180. And if you're not looking at it, you should be. This is a beautiful riffs picture to me. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that earlier. That's a really good picture. Now, whether or not that fits in a vampire book, eh, but it is actually part of the uh, Juarez details. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Cyber snatching in action or cybernetic chop shop, shall we say. A rickety wall dance hall. What is his name? Bradshaw. I want to say Tim Bradshaw. Uh, I think was the was was a someone who did a lot of art in Shadowrun and World of Darkness. I wonder if this Bradshaw is related. Because when I see Bradshaw, my thought is immediately Tim Bradshaw. Mm -hmm. And very specifically, and again. I don't know if I hope I'm getting that name right, but uh, specifically a picture from Shadowrun second edition with this guy holding two guns and he has a little uh, this cackle on his face and he, on his chest. He has a pin that says suck cheese shark face <laughs> burned into my image, burned into my brain. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever used it? That guy? The the explicative. I have suck never cheese, shark face. I've never used it. I'll tell you what, if in our campaign that comes up, I promise to be appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
I got to find a way to make that happen. And it's going to be a long con. I got to find a way to subtly get a player who's never listened to this podcast to play like a shark man. Yeah. (laughs) Just so I could say that later. And then there's there's a warehouse full of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think this could happen. It's riffs. Um, Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. We did it again. Fuck. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Rifts. Vampires, I fucking love them. Um, I don't use them often enough. I know that players have very frequently in multiple campaigns talked about vampires and their characters have been like, oh, there's clearly vampires in the next town. And they didn't quite fit in with the ideas that I had for what was coming up next. So I didn't Mm. put the vampires in, but I really should have taken that as a hint that the players wanted vampires Players always want vampires. You know, I was about to wrap up and here I go again. I think vampires operate in a place in the human imagination that's very, very deep under our conscience. They they look like us. They can act like us, but they feed on us. They are ancient. They're older. They are those who know and those who slay. There are places where they're revered as gods. There are places where they're revered as, as, as eldritch horrors. And there are places where there's just monsters. But every culture has a vampire. And I think, I think we need them. We, we, need, we need that healthy suspicion of the thing that looks like us. I think it's what keeps us from being the more trust, too, too trusting is, is, is that little fear, you know? And I think the, 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 the concept of the vampire strokes that part of us. I wholly agree with that. And, you know, you were kind of saying something very similar when we were talking about the hatchling dragon. Oh yeah. Wasn't I? How every culture seems to have their own dragon. Well, vampire is that thing. Like every culture seems to have their own version of a vampire. Even Mm -hmm. if it's like a strange, like a pen and gallon kind of vampire or something, they're, they're still kind of, fitting into that vampiric mythos. Yeah. And that's what I think makes rifts so wonderful is that it takes those universal concepts and then brings them all into this. What the fuck if this happened kind of setting and it's it, there's something there for everybody. Well, I mean like what rifts does isn't just what if it is like, it like it takes the concept, it straps it to a board, it fills up a syringe full of LSD and methadone, and then slams that into the concept and says, "Okay, something's going to happen. Somebody tickle it, and then we run and see what happens." <laughs> you know? And that's how Chaos Earth starts. <laughs> and you get Eldritch Horde vampires. All right, I, I mean it this time. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was vampires. Well, let's give it a break for a little bit, but we will hit that source book too one of these days. Yeah, and if you have some fantastic experiences of your own, dear listener, with vampires, let us know. Join our Discord and talk about your vampires and rifts excitement. What do you like about them? What do you not like about them? What was the most memorable vampire from your campaign? Please come Mm, let us mm -hmm. know. Talk to us about it and we'll praise you with awesomeness. Yes. We we throw it around like glitter. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. (laughs) Thanks. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. 
Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. 